Welcome to Fright Night. She just goes a little mad sometimes. Wolfman's got Mars. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We have such sights to show you. Hey, everybody. What's up? And welcome back to another episode with the Jersey Ghouls. Yep. Tonight we have a very special guest. Yeah. Uh, I would say for the the second time now, a, a, a person that we met at a convention that has become a, a good friend of the show and a good friend of us. Um, yeah. We want to welcome to the show, Zach. Hey, how's it going, ladies? Pretty good. I have to admit that meeting you and your wonderful wife were probably the highlight of the last convention we went to for me. Oh, likewise. It was the best part of the year. That whole convention was just crazy. I loved it. Oh my God. I had so much fun. I mean, no offense, but like G Tom Mac, obviously number one, you guys are really close second. Definitely. G <laughs> Tom Mac is now literally playing every morning on my alarm clock with uh, sleep all day and party all night. One of the top hits of 2018. Yes. Yeah. Dare I say number one. Yeah, no, I, I, I only hope to one day renew my vows to that very song. <laughs> I'm going to be there. I, I I just got to. It's just everything. About oh, you are. Oh. You'll be playing it acoustic for me in the background. <laughs> I got my phone ready. Let's do that. <laughs> So yeah, so we are here tonight, and uh, Zach's very interesting suggestion, we're doing two movies that as a sort of kind of feminist podcast, you'll never see coming, and that's why I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know what? It's not exactly, uh, I had said earlier that it's kind of outside the box, not exactly in the realm of horror, but we're going to cheat it and say it's close enough because these are two John Carpenter joints. Uh, Tonight, we're going to discuss Escape from New York and Escape from LA. That's right. So put on your eye patch. Hike up your balls and spit a little bit because we are going full testosterone tonight. <laughs> That's what you guys do, right, Zach? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. This is great. This is the most alpha that you guys have been this year. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's all Kurt Russell. It is. It's all Kurt Russell. Like, I somehow watched these movies and I grew chest hair. I don't know how I did. I sprouted chest hair. <laughs> Man, that explains my issue, man. I shouldn't have started with those movies back when I was 12, man. Jesus. <laughs> that is so true. Oh, my gosh. I And I also really want a cool nickname like Snape. Like, guys, can I change my name legally to, like, Python or fucking... Uh, fucking they're like, at work, and they're like, hey, excuse me. Hey, call me Python. <laughs> <laughs> and then just to fuck with them, I'll be like, no, really, it's actually... It's, it's no, 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 you can call me... Python again. Call me Python. Like, I'm not going to say he was being a little girly about that whole thing, but, like, make up your mind. Is it Snake or Pliskin? I don't understand. <laughs> Always play with their mind. It it depends on his mood, if he's succeeding or not. I love it. You know? That's true. That's true. If he has saved the day, then okay, fine. I'm Pliskin. If you're pissing me off, call me Snake. Oh, God, yeah, exactly. And and that's how, like, you you got to be with that one. You know, always keep them guessing, and, you know, you got to keep them up on their toes. And Kurt Russell killed it with that. Oh, God, yeah. Which oh my God. A little, a, a little bit fact here. Um, he based... Uh, oh, we call them fun facts around here, Zach. <laughs> all right, a little bit fact. Hell yo. <laughs> um, he based that performance of Snake because of, um, uh, you know, Clint Eastwood. Oh. If, if you watch that, it's a little bit of, uh, you know... Uh, 
draw, you know, like that kind of like whatism about it. And and then another side note, I'm gonna like bit exception here is that uh, the guy who played Hawk in Escape from New York uh, was the was Angel Eyes from uh, the Good, the Bad, the Ugly, and other of all the Man with No Name trilogy. Oh my God, nah. There you go, and it's like Eastwood versus him again, but in New York with Carpenter. I have to give a shout out to my dad. He did not do very much for my film culture and awareness, but man, did he give me a good Clint Eastwood education as a kid. <laughs> oh man, those movies were great back in the 60s and 70s. I loved it. And then, oh, you totally. know, the 80s took off and then, you know, I kind of like looked aside during that. My, my, one of my minor king, uh, claims to fame is that my father-in-law was in a, cl- what was the movie your dad was in? No, I thought he was down here, but he's not. <laughs> just kidding. Um, just kidding, JK. Um, the- <laughs> I have to tell one more funny story. I was sitting there probably a good, like, two and a half hours into my four-hour binge of these movies. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Metal Gear Solid. Oh, my God. And I was, like, all excited. And then I was like, oh, no. Because <laughs> fuck did I love the original Metal Gear Solid. Movies. Oh, yeah. No, that was one of the first things. I mean, a long time ago when I, I saw these movies, you know, I'm like, oh, my God. Snake. And it's got to be, it's got to be the same guy from Metal Gear. And I actually looked, yeah, and, and the, uh. No, I refuse to acknowledge that. In my head now, they're the same. The, 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 the dev, dev for Metal Gear Solid said that it is not based on Stink Plus. The guy. dev, is that what the cool kids call them? The devs. That's what they are. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> she, she's pissed. True. The devs, for those of us in the know. <laughs> the developers. <laughs> I'm sorry. I remember feeling like hot shit playing Metal Gear because you could smoke a cigarette. Oh my goodness. <laughs> smoke a cigarette and hide it and hide in a box, dude. I'm all in. That sounds like my Saturday afternoon. Let's do it. Oh my god, same here. That, the- that alert noise when he was spotted used to be my my text message alert like, oh like god, probably like awesome. 10 years ago. Yeah, no, I should How did you see- not have anxiety from that sound? I swear to God, that just stresses me out. Me too. I wouldn't be able to have it as a ringtone. I would love to have it. It's all over the episode now. Um, yeah, so you can see how I spent my weekends as a child and why I'm so cool. <laughs> all right, so let's uh, yeah, we we'll get into – let's look at talk. We could just sit here and talk about Kurt Russell for the next and hour. That, and that's fine. That's yeah. perfectly fine. He is my hero right now. And that's and that's the greatest thing. You got to think, like, think about it. This is 1981. This is Kurt Russell doing this badass anti-hero role that was, like, at the time made for, like, you know, like Eastwood and John Wayne, you know, stuff of the old, but this was before like the max, you know, like the steroided out eighties culture of Arnold and Stallone and Dolph Lung and Dolph Lung, uh, Lundgren. I think I'm pronouncing that right. And, uh, you know, this was, he just like an average guy, anti-hero looking out for himself. This was unheard of during that time. So that's why, what's really fantastic about it. And that kind of hits the, uh, the whole masculinity at that time where you didn't have to be roided out and big and, you know, buffed out. This is just, you know, attitude and taking care yeah, of it. He had beautifully feathered hair. Yeah, the hair really kind of gives him, it's, he gets his strength. Who, who is that <laughs> in the mythology that gets their strength from their hair? Um, Samson. Yeah, there you go. He is. He's a he's a modern Sims. Oh yeah, Sims looks like a. Punk I think guy. that's a little loaded, Jeff. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just thinking about. She's sober. Wrong. That's the scary part. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I guess we can just jump right in. Uh, I mean, everybody knows the plot. Yeah, yeah. he's escaping from New York. Yeah. You know, it's 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 modern day 1997, and <laughs> New York uh, is uh, or no, I'm sorry, Manhattan is 
and uh, the prison island. So, you know, if you go, when you go there, when you're sentenced there, you're there for life, the end. And of course the president is, his plane crashes and, or no, his escape pod, his escape pod crashes in New York and Pliskin is called upon to go save him. Pliskin, who is a what decorated war veteran turned, you know, criminal. They're like, Oh, well, we're going to send you there. But you know what? If you go save the president, we'll pardon you. And also, we're going to try to kill you with this poison. But if you save the president, we won't. Yeah, you nailed it. Good there job. You go. yeah. Boom. So, um, yeah, so this is one of uh, another John Carpenter. Uh, well, this was like right smack in the middle of everything, right? Yeah, this was 81. Mm-hmm. This is like right before the thing. This is still during like his heyday where, you know, he's still living off of the Halloween fame. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and taking Nick Castle with him. Oh, hell yeah. Well, actually, again, a little bit fact here. Nick Castle was Kurt Russell's stunt double for Escape from New York. So there you go. Ah, damn. Well, you know what? Isn't he? I think I read that he is. Well, you know what? That's going to skip ahead to the next movie. He also is the stunt double for Bruce Campbell, who is the Surgeon General in Escape from L.A. Oh, my gosh. And yeah. That's That's interesting. So I'm gonna I'm gonna jump off here with something that I know you'll be excited to talk about, Zach, and that is the the soundtrack for these movies. Because I have to be honest with you, I went so back and forth about my thoughts about it. Because is he just plagiarizing off of himself at this point? Oh my goodness! Well, uh, a little bit actually, because you got to think about uh, beforehand. He did the Fog, which was so heavy piano based, and yeah. a lot of synthesizers. Um, what he did was this basic piano. A uh, little, you know, so it's like, okay, let's slow down the Halloween theme. And then Alan <laughs> Howarth, who helped him out, who also did the soundtrack for Halloween 2 and then every Halloween uh, up till uh, Curse of Michael Myers, um, he helped out with that one. And basically, they just added in some more sound effects, some more synths, and pretty much it gave you the whole Escape from New York touch and, uh, yeah. and also LA touch. But uh, I'll get, but the soundtracks are so different. New York and LA. New York is that darker, it's grittier uh, yeah, like synthesizer, which is what I love. Um, yeah. Very dark. And there's a couple of great tracks to that too. And and if you do not have the Death Waltz record, uh, do yourself a favor and buy that now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That'll go. That's awesome. Because I don't. And I also <laughs> felt like you're right. It's so dark. And nothing to me screams 80s, early 80s, grimy, dirty, like more synths. So I was in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh my god! Um, like the opening theme, they're just that little like hum, and then the credits yeah. start rolling. It like that's Goosebump Central. It's just you know it gives you everything that you want with that slow build and that bass line, and it's just everything about like about it like that like the nineteen eighties and even the seventies had that opening credits where it's just black screen, white credit in like you know Times New Roman font, and you know and that's all that they had. Whereas now it's like opening credits are like you know, just an afterthought, but yeah, mine, it gave you that theme. And now you're just in, in your head, you're just imagining, Oh man, what's this going to be? Well, the poster has, you know, the statue of Liberty's head like on it. And so you're just thinking of that picture with the song and boom, you're there, you're in there with snake. It's, It's just great. Yeah, I agree. And I think that like, I do sometimes miss that and have nostalgia for that opening sequence mo- like mm-hmm. stuff, because they don't do it anymore. But yeah, so apparently Carpenter wrote this in the 70s as originally like a comment on Watergate, right? Yep. Um, which I get it. I also thought it was hilarious that it starts with a big giant montage about a containment wall built being built about, around New York City. Oh, yeah. It's Alcatraz, you know, we're gonna have a wall. 
And uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. When you just and, and, that, you can't help help but laugh these days. <laughs> I know, right? It's almost it just the, the comedy writes itself in that moment. It's ridiculous. It's so true, you know. We're gonna build a wall against New York. It's gonna be great. Uh, the <laughs> and Kurt Russell, great guy, fantastic guy. I know him, great guy. He's gonna go in and save the world. Like <laughs> we're good friends. We're very big yeah, friends. I loved it. <laughs> Oh my god, and I love how imperialist and ridiculous. Like it's like it's like looking at our future. <laughs> oh god, yeah. Well, actually, I think the future of us um, is more in, um, in sync with the Escape from LA theme than it is. Oh soon. I just hope Melania gets that cool. <laughs> it is, right? Like New York was just so scary. Actually, going down some of the streets in there, man, it looks exactly like where that uh, guy Romero with his spiked blonde hair looking like Billy Idol before Billy Idol. And just, yeah. you know, man, that guy was just, just crazy. He has like the president's finger. Is it his finger? I don't know. But just the fact that he has a finger walking around, don't fuck yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And he kind of looks like a zombie sometimes. I'm into it. Oh, yeah. When, That's when, the guy was like Romero. There you go. Oh my God! I said that the <laughs> my note about that guy was that the um, the Duke was like Job of the Hut, mm-hmm. and that guy was Salacious Crumb <laughs> because he just kind of kept landing. And I'm like, dude, it's it's like a human form of Salacious Crumb. That is true. Oh my goodness! See, you learn something every day, ladies and gentlemen. I love that. That is, I'm not gonna <laughs> the same now. All I can think of. You know what my big like pat on my own shoulder was when I put together that all of those guys were named after famous horror directors. So you had Romero, Cronenberg, and Raimi were the three oh side. Yeah. That, that's right. And, oh, I didn't even put that together. Yeah, I was so excited. Yeah. I was like, yeah, like, I'm, so self- yeah. I'm so self-indulgent in those moments. <laughs> um, all right. So back to New York. So yeah, we have this awesome, interesting terrorism woman who takes over the plane and they, you know, try to kill everybody and they, Launch the president, and what's his face takes him, right? Yep. Well, actually, what's funny is um, um, I'm going back to your fellow listeners. If you have been listening, go back to uh, episode 48 about Carpenter. You guys are talking about Carpenter and like women, how he like likes to cast women as like this like evil role. And I love that in New York and LA, it's always women who crash the plane. I think that's hysterical. <laughs> yeah, I have a note. Like I, sp- I said, you know, this for for Escape from New York. There is very, very few women characters. There is the woman that, you know, crashes the plane in the beginning. Um, there is one random woman. I forget. What it, no, not her. There was one before her. Um, and then there's Maggie. But that's really it. Like, it's it's extremely just, well, you know what happens when you let those broads run around. Am I right? <laughs> well, actually, that kind of says more about the, uh, here's the devil's advocate here, since it is a prison shelter that more males are arrested and all that stuff than women are because, you know, us men, boys will be boys, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was funny too. Cause I was like, as I was watching, I was like, wait, okay, so no girls. And then I like scratched it out. I was like, wait, there are girls. Wait, there are Like, I just kept trying to figure yeah. out whether very, or not girls were on the island. Few, yeah. I would say um, very few. And, and I, I went in the scene when they, he walked into like the, I guess the, the burlesque show mm-hmm. or the drag show as it were. Um, I was like, oh, yeah, so there's definitely no females because then – but then I was like, oh, no, no, it was very complicated. But, yeah, I guess there would be much less women in a, in a federal maximum security forever prison. So okay. here's, here's my question is, like, this whole Manhattan Island is, like, the, the United States prison. Yep. Good thing or bad thing? 
Like putting putting a terrible every- thing, Jackie. Yeah, 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 exactly. that, that's terrible. Turning any state with resources into a prison, you just are living like Garad. That's just like, that that's like that's imperialistic, like horrible idea all together. No, okay. <laughs> hear me out. Hear me out. I, I hear you. I no, I'm thinking from the prisoner's standpoint. Mm-hmm. You are okay, in this day and age, you are in an in a cell in an overcrowded building or like starving to death and killing each other on an island where there's no rules. why are they starving to death they've got a whole city they were eating each other jackie <laughs> okay they not everybody was you have to imagine that the city still functions on a certain level. i don't in fact i think it he goes out of his way to show you that the city does not function on its own yeah exactly i mean like there is barely any uh, uh um, um shelter and there's fire like when you least expect it like in the middle of the road i mean come on now i want to end my home but also you know yeah you have men you know dressing up like women because again there are no women in there to do the whole you know burlesque show you know there's right? no popcorn during that show come on now who's gonna be sending peanut butter cups nobody exactly <laughs> that's just horrible inmates need peanut butter cups Right now. <laughs> There's Sometimes she says things like this, and I'm like, "How are we friends?" <laughs> I was gonna say, like, I mean, even when I kind of d- disagree, that that's just weird. <laughs> <laughs> like, I sometimes have moments where I'm like, when I when Katie and I record, we're like, "How could she possibly believe that?" But then Jackie's here to remind me that there's I have seen nothing yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, this is familiar. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think it's cool to play with. So I grew up right outside of New York in the early '80s. And I got to tell you guys, that place is a fucking dump in the early 80s. As all the 70s movies well showed, it was like the scariest place ever. Taxi driver is real life. Like the struggle is real. Um, And at the end of the day, I think this idea of like the rot of the cities at that particular moment is a very interesting one that I enjoyed looking at. Like, and I love John Carpenter's aesthetics. Like, and this was in Assault in Precinct 13 too. I love like, I don't know. I love the realistic, very grimy feel of his good guys and bad guys. Like I, I love how they feel just like us. And as you said, Zach, like when we get away from that, we get to like the super duper pumped up heroes of the ladies. I missed these guys. <laughs> I miss these villains, like the warrior style, overdone, ridiculous villains. Well, if this movie, exactly yeah. If, if this movie showed me anything, it showed me that I want to mount little chandeliers over my headlights on my car. <laughs> yeah. I want to have fancy decorative lighting on my car. That that's a beautiful car. Man. I'm surprised I haven't seen seen that, you know, more over here up on the East Coast. That probably does exist in those areas of Manhattan. I wouldn't be surprised at all. But that would be amazing. I heard the New York aesthetic, the dark like like, you know, like the rugged um the warriors, taxi driver, that that's where you hit it off because, you know, growing up in California, um, I'm, I mean, I had the Bay Area, I had LA, you know, and, and all that stuff. And, you know, it's more poppy rigged, whereas like New York, it's like dystopian rigged. And you yeah. pretty much capture that, definitely. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. And I kind of find myself obsessed with those days. Like, I just find it all so fascinating. Like, I looked up just for giggles. The murder rate in 1981 in New York City was 2,287 reported that year the murder rate for this year oh well 2018 rather was 630 so manhattan had like 10 like what is it like four times the amount of uh murder in 1981 and i gotta tell you if there's one place you didn't want to be in 1981 it was Times square so i love that they incorporated that because i remember literally being terrified of the city like 
you like we grew up in a time where my, our parents were like whatever you do don't go to the it's so funny to me to go to new york city now and see like times square and all the night so i'm like oh man when i was a kid you were terrified of these places like it's so interesting to see what capitalism did to those and how john carpenter evolved his own theories around all this stuff so okay getting back to snake plissken typical anti-hero right oh gosh yeah and like he- the anti-hero the antithesis of the anti-hero is how am i going to survive how am I, the individual, going to make it out of this with, you know, you, you know, the whole saying is uh, cover your, your own ass. Pretty much what you do at, you know, your daily day job every day. How, how do I Absolutely. cover my ass throughout the day? We're all anti-heroes yeah. here, you know. But uh, a yeah. hero will do good for the city, good, you know, do, do good for the, like, for the world. Or Snake Plissken, you know, he's here, he's given a second chance. He, like, he even said, I'll think about it. Like how badass is is that? You know, we're gonna like let let you go through. We'll give you know we'll give you everything that you want. And he just goes, I'll think about it. Like that that's so badass. That is so you know what? Like I don't need you. You need me more. And it's just that's the that is the antithesis of an antihero in film and pretty much you know in any format of entertainment. Really, yeah. I think that had he not been injected with that time release, you know little uh one of those little time release explosions he would have told him to fuck right off mm-hmm. you know but I, I think that you know i agree a hundred percent he is yeah i'm gonna save the world but i'm only gonna save the world because i don't want to die oh yeah well imagine doing that imagine doing because he hates the president he hates his government you know his government screwed like screwed him over three times you know than like we'll ever know and right. he's forced to do this he doesn't want to but he has to because he needs to save him like like himself that's like you marissa if donald trump no way if kellyanne conway cut your hand open and said you know what you gotta go save uh uh like ivanka trump from you know freaking cuba or something like that or else you'll die you know what i mean what what do you do you turn into the anti-hero you don't want to oh fuck this guy hell no but you know what you and then you look at like trump you go mr trump call me python and you do it. You oh, totally. And then, yeah. And then I definitely threaten to kill him when I get back. Yeah, I get it. I fucking have never had more respect for like machismo in my life than watching this movie. And that's the antithesis again of machismo. There is, you know, I came up with this line of like thinking about like working with you guys. It's like you from me, Zach, you will get no apology for misogyny. Yeah, it rhymed. Hashtag it. Go crazy with it. Make a shirt. Whatever. I'm just telling you that is that when like you do this and see, this is a weird thing. When you are a male actor, you can pull it off. Whereas, you know, and there's not a lot of female um, antiheroes out out there. Uh, and if they are, sadly, they're part of a remake. Uh, the only closest one that I can think recently off the top of my head is uh, Charlize Theron in uh, Atomic Blonde, which was... Oh, you know, or I even was... Say Charlize Theron's character in uh, Fury Road. Exactly. There you go. Another anti yeah. like anti hero, which we you know, which which was perfect. You know, again, uh, which is funny. I think that's just her like good choices of picking parts. But that is the anti hero of, of of like a female. But it's not really rep- represented much today. Which I think no, it's not. And the I right think story. It's, it's funny because we just talked about that movie today because I was talking about how much I love Fury Road for that very reason. Like it's a female character that you almost never get to see. And, and I don't want to go on a tangent because we should cover that movie at some point. But um, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think he's the typical anti-hero. And I think it's it's his the privilege of the male showing. And I, and I, and I, I can't wait to piss you off with this. Because 
make him uh, turn it around. And what's his? Who's his wife? Goldie Hawn is sitting there with an eye patch, going, "Yeah, call me Snake." And, and the people would just be like, "That's fucking absurd." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it works. It's it's such a masculine thing to do. You know, like to say "fuck the world" because guys can. Um, men are very much, you know. You know, men will go their own own way. Another saying where women, they're very much, um, you know, from what I've studied and all that stuff, they're very maternal in that aspect of they want everybody to get along. They want everybody to be, you know, part of a group, love each other. You know, let's all work together. Men will be like, well, fuck you be momming, right? I'm going to <laughs> <laughs> You're You're right. I got to go get my cookies out of the, out of the oven. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> you're right and uh, god i only wish the day would come when trump would come ask me to get a vodka out of somewhere you know to be fair i'd have more sympathy for her than any other <laughs> right it's like, <laughs> like you know you are saying you get it you know you're a mother you know you married jared kushner we don't know why but hey you know you see inner beauty i guess whatever that's cool <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah and i love that you're right that theme of the idea of like i can't trust my government my government's inevitably gonna fuck me over is a very interesting one and a very real one that john carpenter plays with in, in so many of his movies oh god yeah and, as and really I, love, I love it for it. um and i also love that very like i loved his fight with what was it olaf olak Olaf. Insert typical wrestling from Russia name That's here. Right. The boxing wrestling match. It, it didn't know what it was at that time. <laughs> no, they had no idea. They were actually creating like those MMA groups. They just didn't know it. <laughs> um, but so this very Romanesque like battle between the two of them, I think there's a lot of parallels here. Like Carpenter is absolutely saying that, you know, watching the decay of the 70s into the 80s, like, we are imploding, and I loved this, like, tie to the Roman Empire, because the Roman Empire fell from within, and I always say, like, our country's so young, this shit's gonna not, this shit's not working, and we're all gonna eventually fucking realize it. Mm -hmm. And I love that Carpenter plays with that in these very dystopian ways, because we're a fucking hop, skip, and a fucking slab of concrete away from this shit, man. And Jackie's all about it, so we're in big trouble. <laughs> Oh, I, I love it. Let's let's anarch it up, man. The more crazier we get, the better. This has been the most entertaining two years ever when it comes when it comes to this. But especially with like the wrestling match or the boxing match, it, go, it goes into that Roman ways of uh, you know uh, the the Duke is calling all the shots. He's running he's running the joint, and then you know how do you do that with you know uh, the most masculine way of using your fist and your body to take over your your opponent using your size instead of your brains very medieval and backwards it is yeah and it's and i think it fits so well into the overall arch, arching character you know like development in this story i also think i kind of all right so i'm gonna throw this out there i fucking love brain <laughs> brain is fantastic. really here's why i get that he's a total fucking snake in the grass dirtbag but i think of when i when you say to me list the places in new york you love the new york city library is number one so he wins me over by setting, like, uh, that would be the place I would go to set up town too. Because I'd be like, fuck, I'm in, I'm like, I gotta go and I'd hide with books because books will keep me <laughs> safe. And also, like, I don't know, I find, I find that character fascinating and I fucking hated Maggie. God damn it. Why? Because she was so Stockholmed and like, 
oh, I'm gonna fucking die for him. Oh, he's dead. But really, I was given to him as a fucking prize. And really, she should have been doing a fucking jig across the fucking Brooklyn Bridge because she got away from the motherfucker. And instead, she's like, oh, I'm gonna die for him. Oh, here, I'll shoot that fucking duke for you. Fuck that. Hey, that. I'd have been like... That's horrible. That is every guy movie is like, I'm gonna do something for a female. That's, that's yeah, not a weird thing. Every action movie is like, oh, I'm gonna do this for the woman. Like, I just watched The Matrix the other day. It's like, I choose love. Like, come on, man. That's not a woman thing. Come on. Let me think. <laughs> Every guy action movie. I'll do it for you. Okay, they're all fucking stupid. But at least in The Matrix, that was an actual relationship, not a Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. It's Harry Dean Stanton, though. Come on, man. You would. That's true. I would, there's not much I wouldn't do for Harry Dean Stanton. All right, Yeah. Aww. <laughs> You're right. I would do that for him. But, like, Snake kind of was like, come on, let's go. Like, I get a chance to make out with Kurt Russell, I'm going. <laughs> I love Matt. He's a great guy. But if he gets killed and I'm like, mm, Kurt Russell, yes. <laughs> yeah, even like Kurt Russell today. The way that she stood her oh ground, God. though, with that gun, man, and she and she was taking charge. She was she she was like at, she was on par with Snake throughout the entire uh, time of her screen time. She was never a damsel. She she was never any of that. You know, yeah, you know, the backstory is like maybe the Stockholm thing, but when she was up on screen, she was strong, authoritative, and I loved every moment of it. And I think because she was married to Carpenter at the time, so you know, you might as well film your wife in you know in a positive light. Yeah, she was hot. When they were in the back of the cab, she was the one protecting Bree. Very true. He like ducked under her. She had the gun. He did. He ducked under her and literally called out for her to protect him. Exactly. She was the hero. Brain was the damsel, if anything. He was. Absolutely. And I like that. You guys are right. I like that a lot. And while I don't necessarily agree with her taking one for the team, (laughs) I will agree that she was very, very strong on screen. And I was digging that. Yeah. What I love at the time was a lot of people say the whole, um, you know, when Snake takes the little drone looking plane into new york um the actual effects of like the grid and it's all cgi no that that was john carpenter who was the uh uh, who was the photography and actually artist of the special effects uh group of escape from new york and he did the matte painting and he actually did a whole model of new york put black tape over it with lights shining out and that's how you got that grid effect in the plane that was james cameron Wow, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And that one, I mean, I'm not a big James Cameron fan, but I thought that was that was pretty cool. Why doesn't it surprise me that you're not a big James Cameron fan? Oh, man. I, I mean, I love The Terminator, but I mean, like, you know, post Billy Zane Titanic. Uh, I don't know, man. I'll pass. Wait, that's only one movie, which is Avatar. Yeah, okay, yeah. I stand correct. No, that's two strong passes. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> I have two eyes and a vagina, so you gotta take it easy on the Titanic, all right? I love it. I mean, Billy Zane was oh my gosh, don't even get me, man. He he dude, that that's like bromance right there. If I can meet him and just rub his bald head, I'm on. Wow. I, okay, I think this is case in point. Billy Zane does no wrong. What? Yep. Demon Knight. Oh, oh I agree with Jack him on this. Demon Knight is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Another one Demon Knight. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I'm gonna watch. You are the you're in the wrong. You are in the wrong. I'm going to, he has a cowboy <laughs> hat. And he speaks with that like southern accent. Oh my gosh, it's so gorgeous. It's take me now. Like I'll leave my I'm wife for that. Come on. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna double down on my theory that the best role Billy Zane has ever had is a Doolander. Boom! I said it. Because <laughs> he's himself. That's hard. <laughs> 
listen to your friend Billy Zane. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, I do have uh, the character of Cabby. Oh, oh Cabby. Cabby. Cabby was one that I, you know, you knew that people were going to die. And unfortunately, Cabby for the cause, he had to go. And I, I kind of liked the whole, I, you know, he's going to escape alone thing because he don't need no bitch slowing him down. But, like, he really could not connect with it. I feel bad for him. Like, I want to give Snake a hug. Maybe it is the maternal in me. But I just really want to give him a hug and be like, it's okay to have friends, Snake. Well, I just find it so funny that he's like, you know, he's a loner and, you know, it's just I'm about a rebel, him. Daddy. You don't want to get mixed up with a guy like me. I'm a loner, daddy. Rebel. But no, but but he is so like everybody knows him. For as much as he thinks he's a loner and he's out here on his own, like every single person recognize like not but like you're you're Snake, aren't you? You're Snake Plissken. Yeah, what everybody knows who he is. Zach, help us out here. How is that? What did he do? Oh, I oh uh, well, basically, uh, besides being a wartime hero, which uh, you know probably in the backstory that's a big deal, you know, for him, but. Uh, the deleted scene of him robbing the Federal Reserve Bank, uh, you know, that pretty much was like the biggest thing ever. That's like the most anarchist thing. Like think of uh, V for Vendetta. That's like pretty much Snake was V in uh, in like America during during that time and pretty much just broke everything with that. And he's just so well known amongst the other antiheroes, the thugs, the criminals, even, like even the real people that this guy with that much, you know, balls the manliness, the machismo to do all that, <laughs> you know, and they just know that that just goes above and beyond. But again, even though they recognize him for doing something like that, he should be dead. That's why they all, th- you know, say, I thought, I thought that you were dead. That, like, that's badass. Like they know you, but they know you because they thought you were dead and you're not. Boom. So I feel like everybody's like, oh, snake is so cool. I don't think that. I love Kurt Russell. I would do him then, now, as Santa Claus. However. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. It was a good movie. And at the end of the day, Snake Bliskin is not, you're here. Like, we should not be, like, yay Snake. Oh, well, well, I agree with that. Snake is, again, uh, this goes with your... Uh oh my gosh, I feel like such a nerd here. Your uh your uh episode um I'd say fifty two with your guilty pleasures, the Jekyll and Hyde. Think think about Snake as uh your hide to your wait uh wait Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde. Yeah, think of Snake yeah. as your hide and uh, Jack Burton as your Jekyll. You know, every guy what? wants to be Snake. He's badass. He's quiet. He's whatever. You know, you want to be that. But in reality, you're Jack Burton, who's a total klutz, and all you do is talk out of your ass. And you're funny, of course, but, you know, <laughs> it's not going to happen. You're not Snake. You're, you know, in the end, Jack Burton driving a truck for a living, you know? Like, that, 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 that's just life. As, as long as you just oh, keep wearing crazy. them tank tops, it, it's all fine. It really, just keep wearing those muscle shirts, baby, and it's all good for me. <laughs> all in reflexes, that's what I'm saying. I'm learning so much about male psyche tonight. I love it. Woman, oh, that's why I'm here. You know, there is so much, there's so much to learn about us guys that, you know, do not believe the hype. Do not believe female authors of what they're telling you. I'll tell you real quick of what's positive, negative about the male psyche. But oh my God. I'm, I'm, you, you know, there is the Burton and the, and the snake. 
or if you know if you're a little bit more you know alpha and machismo and you you know you put that needle in your ass and now you're up on roids it's like you are either uh, a freaking stallone and uh predator or you're mr freeze whatever which one you want <laughs> I, I gotta tell you i've never been more aroused by mansplaining in my life <laughs> I, I, I love mansplaining it is so perfect right now and, and i'm manspreading as i'm mansplaining right now <laughs> Yes, I love it. I love every minute of it. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find uh, more for my notes, but I got a I got a top five song because as a lover of John Cusack and high fidelity, I like to uh, bring yeah. into my uh, podcast, my writing videos, and all that stuff. You got to have a top five tracks, which I'm going to share with uh, you know people about the soundtracks for both Escape from New York and Escape from LA. You got to listen to this stuff. But um, again, like the the thing about Carpenter, it's it's the ambiance. It's it's the, the aesthetic mixed in with the exterior sound, which is pretty much his, his synthesizer and pretty much his music. And um, I had the uh, the lovely awesomeness uh, to be uh, to see him live in Las Vegas uh, in 2017 when he did his tour. Uh, That's really cool. Oh my god, it was it was a thing. It was like when people talk about Woodstock, this makes me a freaking nerd, but I don't really care. You were in there. You were in this world with other people that are listening to carpenter's music just like you and and then there he is up there with his son and then they're showing clips from the movie and he's playing escape from new york theme and you see all the clips and like you're looking around and everyone it's a happening man it's freaking crazy and it was just like oh my god it's like what uh you know televangelists felt back in the 80s when they were watching that shit you know that sounds really cool i mean i'm just so impressed because I, I really can't wait for your your project to drop because you need to because this is so fascinating to me because really when you're like oh my top favorite tracks like i'm like oh yeah that one that went versus the one that went wee wee i'm like yeah bro like i'm so impressed with like the way you can appreciate the shit i'm so fucking jealous because like I just, I, it, my brain just doesn't work that way. And, and I find it amazing. And I cannot wait to listen to more of your uh, discussions and your, like your videos and stuff about this, the soundtracks, because it's really helping me be more appreciative mm -hmm. and like open my eyes to something I don't really think much about. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, I feel like everybody needs to, I mean, with, with the sound, I mean, you turn off the sound in any movie, any horror movie from, you know, now and from freaking Dracula. I mean, that, that opening theme um, I know it's like from, you know, I almost said Black Swan, but, you know, <laughs> this one, you know, they use that theme in it too. I forget the sound of it, but the opening for Dracula and it just, it takes you, it's whimsical. Like that gives you your mood. It's like, it fills your, it, 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 it like, it hits your ears, it goes to your brain. It's like, it's like a, it's like an eargasm if there was a term, which there is. And I just used it and I <laughs> <laughs> with every track and, uh, you know, my, you know, a little self plug here real, real, uh, real quick my favorite soundtrack from carpenter is christine and it's one that doesn't get talked about a lot and i think it's the most beautiful romantic darkest like music pieces ever and when people talk about escape from new you know escape from new york halloween the fog you know they live uh big trouble little china these are great scores but christine is just it's amazing but we'll get to that a different time but uh, the top five tracks real quick because, you know, we're like, a, I feel like we're about to go to L.A. for a little bit. But I'm telling you, yeah. you got that theme for, you know, at the beginning, the opening credits, the Escape from New York theme.
you know, that that's just, it gets you in the mood and you're ready to freaking party. Number two yes. is actually from Escape from LA, which is uh, Snake's Uniform. And it's pretty much this like carpenter. Oh, hell yeah, I remember that one. He's in this bluesy like time, uh, which you hear a lot again in Vampires. It's that soundtrack. It's that like, it's like that cowboy rock that he does. He went there because he really wants to do a Western, but he never did, but whatever. Yeah. And it has that, like, <laughs> you know, that little harmonica, the guitar rip. And then um, three and four are when the Duke arrives uh, with, with the chandelier and has that bass bumping and you just feel the power that is Isaac Hayes as the Duke. You're like, think, think about that. 1981, here is your villain, the Duke, Isaac Hayes, the master of soul. This, he, he, he did Shaft eight years earlier. And now he's this big, larger than life villain that is pretty much the ruler of New York. That speaks, you know, uh, 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 you know, like words right there where you actually have like, you know, like a singer take over as the villain, which, you know, at that time, again, you got to think about it, not like 1981, what other singer was doing that stuff? You know, there, there he is right there, you know, Shaft, Isaac Hayes killing it, or as we know, I'm a chef, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he lost me when he got butthurt about, uh, oh. uh Yeah, I agree. <laughs> oh, yeah, be, well, because, you know, that, that is another thing that, like, I wouldn't say bothers me, but it's like, oh, man, why does the black man have to be the villain? Why does the Mexican man have to, have to be the villain? Sometimes, man, be, being the villain is the best thing that you can be. Look at wrestlers. Look at wrestlers, theater, carnival acts. They want to be the bad guy because there's it's so much better to get booed than to get cheered for some reason. It, again, it's that Jekyll and Hyde-ness. It, 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 it's just, you know, you want that Mr. Hyde to come out because it makes you feel good. It's that primal nature. It's that inside that we are that we want to get booed. But, you know, because, but it's so much harder to do a good deed and get cheered. And I think that's pretty much humanity at its, you know, I guess best or maybe worse. Because, <laughs> like, I feel like when it gets to that point, I'm all about it. Like, if I have a choice, I'm being the villain every time. Mm -hmm. absolutely no you're right though and and it's funny it's just so funny to think of how differently we both look at that because i'm like oh man like poor isaac hayes has to play the trope of the dirty dealer gang lord in in the 1970 like late 70s early 80s films but you're right it's a beautiful when you put it the way you did i'm like man that's a fucking beautiful choice like <laughs> i'm down with all that as long as it's my choice and not by culture and society <laughs> all right, no definitely well and then um uh, for the number five track because the three and four are like the like the isaac hayes scenes where it's called duke arrives and number four would be president at the train uh number five track is actually if you guys will you know look up tonight it's called 69th street bridge <laughs> This is pretty much a shout out to maybe Matt because I feel like he's the only one that will probably get me up on this. But it sounds like, a, and maybe you girls will too, uh, <laughs> it sounds like an, a, a level from Battletoads. <laughs> and every time I play it. it uh... No, I do. I get that. That's, yeah. <laughs> 
Battletoads was never a big one for me, but I could say I could you know what? loosely. Battletoads is a game that like I played and I kept dying in the first level and kind of was just like I would scream for my brother, like, can you play this so I can find out what happens? Like, cause I just kept dying over and over. I'm like, Brian, will you please just play this so I can see what happens? I still can't beat it without some code. It's true. That yeah. <laughs> you gotta break out the game genie for Battletoads <laughs> because it's just it's unbeatable. <laughs> Oh man, I love that we're bringing so much video. We never talk video games. I'm so excited. I love talking more video mm-hmm. games. Um, I keep like hankering to talk video games lately. Um, all right, so anything else? I, I'm okay with moving on. Do you um, have anything else, you guys? I have just one last note. We haven't mentioned it, and it's just again the tie to the horror because this isn't really a horror movie, but we're gonna grab any straws we can. Tom Atkins and his beautiful mustache. Oh, I oh. mentioned that. You're absolutely right. Tom Atkins is in that. Damn, I'm getting. No, oh man, that's true. (laughs) I have this weird grandpa crush on him, and I don't know. I can't. Like, I'm sure somebody could psychoanalyze me here, but I'm into it. Hey, so was that like hot chick from Halloween Three? I mean, come on, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. like half, like half his age, and like you know, the second night of them meeting, they freaking bone in the hotel room. That's that's Tom Atkins again, masculinity at its peak. You, yeah, you want to talk? You want to talk about Cheesebo boy? Woo! Night of the Creeps. That come out itself is ninety five percent machismo. <laughs> um. All right. So, do you guys want to move on to Escape from LA? Yeah. Let's 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 move it on to LA. LA is fun. It is actually. I'm gonna say this beforehand. I almost love LA more than New York. I love this movie more than New York at this moment in time. Wow. Yeah. See, okay. I do and I This is why it's going to get great. This is where the- Yeah, I do and I don't. I do and I don't. I, I love the political messages. I love it. <laughs> I hate, hate, hate the effects and some of the choices with just like shit like fucking hang gliders. <laughs> like, I was like, I can't. Like, I think I was actually messaging with Katie at this point. And I was like, what the fuck? I'm actually watching Kurt Russell fucking hang glide with uh, Pam Greer. Like, what is happening right now? Like, <laughs> like, he jumps the shark by literally jumping a shark on a skateboard. Oh, exactly. He got skateboard. <laughs> he got motorcycle. He, he pops a fucking wheelie onto a fucking truck. And then he shoots some fucking guy right, right, like, right there. He's surfing on waves. He's, like, taking a wave and he jumps up on a fucking car. He's hang gliding. It is just so much pure mid-90s bullshit and it's gorgeous oh my god it's so bad it's good it's one of those ones it's like the room but better with kurt russell this is fantastic i I love this let's let's start it off um politically speaking though this is because i know marissa loves politics here and i and i wanted to bring this in i'm going to tell you the line and it might remind you of present day america here we go no smoking, no drinking, no drugs, no women, no guns, no foul language, no red meat. Counter. Yeah. Land of the free. That is literally everything that's going on right now in social America. Smoking's bad. They will demonize you. Drinking, if you drink too much, you get you know frowned upon. No drugs, um, you know, because obviously that's bad. But you know, let's look at science and they shut up. No women. Unless you're married, of course. That that was the other line. No women. It's the whole, this is where I get to you. No women. Because sometimes rape and consent, that's what they were talking about back in 96 about that. It's about present day stuff. Now that's crazy. No guns. 
guns are a big deal still right now. No foul language. I take that as a uh, uh, hate speech right now, you know, where everyone's offended for some reason. No red meat. For some reason, they're still pushing veganism. I don't know. Your turn. <laughs> My head just exploded. Hold on. Let me go. <laughs> first of all, first of all, let me allow me to allow me to let me hold on. I'm going to just <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm literally like straightening the tablecloth that we have. I'm just like, I'm just like nervously. Um, so the first thing I'm going to say is the whole like um, overdone ridiculous effects thing. I guess it's a, a lack of a penis that should have gotten hard at that point. But really, I just was like, this is fucking stupid. And like, I get that that's an aesthetic thing and that we should be nostalgic for it. But like, if I want nostalgic cheese, I'm going to go watch like fucking Temple of Doom and be happy. I don't like this like made me like when I'm laughing at you and you're seeing you're losing me. Like Escape from New York. I was in it, man. Like it felt real enough that I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. And, like, I wanted to put on a fucking eye patch and cosplay. But, like, but maybe I could make Matt do that later. Remind me. That's a good idea. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, like, with this one, I was fucking laughing at it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So that's, like, my gripe there. Well, as far as the, the America, you're absolutely right. Only it's not, it's not the fucking people trying to, you know, prevent people from being offended by racism. It's the fucking racists that are the problem. Mm. Yeah, well, that's uh, true. But you gotta like just turn your head, give them the shoulder. You know, do not give them your time. That's that is what I think because people. No, I don't disagree. (laughs) I and I fucking hate anyone who pushes a moral agenda. As someone who drinks too much, smokes too much, curses way too much, I'm on board with you on most of those things. Yeah. And and listen, women, they're fucking pain in the balls, right? But at the end of the day, like. To me, the moral what scares me about the morality is this idea of like the one like the militarization of, of the ideas. And like I, I would really like to think that speaking as like someone who's very extremely liberal in that way, I don't think we're looking to tell everybody what to do or how to think. I think we just are trying to voice to be the voice of people who we feel don't have voices. Oh, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah, so I think we mean well, but sometimes you're right. We fuck it up too. Oh yeah, it's 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 the worst of both sides. That you know, it's always the what they say the squeaky wheel gets the grease, and I feel like that's pretty much yeah. like modern day America. But um, but to your point with the special effects, I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it some slack because John Carpenter gave you know a little. Uh, it's called Buena Vista. Uh, fucking visual effects or whatever the fuck it's called i have this written down yeah um they never dealt with cgi they're like a little small company who wanted a big break and you know they got it from carpenter and then they're like in way over their head they had no idea what the fuck they were doing all from a shark to the shittiest like michael bay camera work you'll ever fucking see in that movie whereas it's it's an earthquake by me shaking the camera and CGI glass falling wow it, like and and so Jackie blames Kurt Russell for this for these bad choices in the film because he had so much say in this one. Mm-hmm. And it, it, you're right that to me it makes it cuter when you tell it that way that it's like the little the little company that could. But I mean Carpenter knows better. Come on. Oh, I agree. I feel like this was the um, this was the turning point. Some say um, uh, what you call it the, the village of the dam was his turning point. But I I would pretty much call this one the you know where Carpenter jumps the shark and then the essence that his next film would be vampires and pretty much the late 90s early 2000 car carpenter was just you know not ahead of its time anymore it was pretty much like again laughable 
uh, even from a soundtrack yeah. score, you know, like after Escape from LA, I mean, like that one song from Vam from from uh, from Vampires, which is like a fun little song that he actually sang with his band. Other than that, though, every score since that, I was not really on board with. Uh, the soundtrack was very weak. It, it just felt like phoning it in. You know, he's collecting a paycheck now. And I feel like that's what pretty much uh, the soul died, I think, with Escape from L.A. So that's that. Yeah. that is my negative point with that. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. And it breaks my heart, too, because he's one of those directors that I'm like so rabidly ready to defend that it sucks. You're right, though. Um, mm. Not to say that there isn't a shit ton of awesome things about this. Oh, movie. God, yeah, there is a brilliant ton of uh, great things about it. Like Jackie said, uh, that Kurt Russell helped with the with the with the script. Um, it, and then also he pretty much wrote the entire ending of it, too, which is really cool. I like I dig that about it because the ending's really great. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my my first note here is holy shit, John, John Carpenter predicted Trump. Um, mm -hmm. Because literally this president to me in this movie is basically Trump. It's really fun. I would disagree in, in a sense that it's not really Trump. Um, I feel like Trump um, would make this guy blush. Um, he was more, I would say, I felt more of a, he predicted, because uh, it's made in 96, four years later, you got W. If anything, this guy yeah. was more Bush. That evangelical, you know, like I spoke to God last night and uh, God said, you know, said we, we should invade, invade Iraq, you know, like, like that's that guy to me. He's more of a Bush than he is a Trump <laughs> to me personally. I really realized what Jersey Ghouls is missing and it's your impersonations. I feel like they're <laughs> There's a bunch of them. I got them on set. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, though, that whole, like, moral. But, like, the notion of, like, deporting undesirables to me was so fucking interesting. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I mean, again, L.A. What is L.A. right now? It's pretty much half half illegal immigrants. And, um, yeah. and like, instead of, so, like, you know, well, you know, whatever. That's what they, you know, that's what the, they, the news says. But, um, you know, the, just think about it, instead of making it its own state where it's, like, Southern California is now a, a prison. So now you got to think about this now. Not only is New York a fucking prison, like in this time frame, but now LA is. Where the fuck do I go for a vacation, man? Next is fucking Florida. <laughs> <is> bullshit. <laughs> I know Florida should have been the first to go. <laughs> I agree with you. That's too fucking hot. <laughs> um, I also found the theme, like the theme of citizenship, really interesting. Like this notion that they could somehow take it away. Because I find citizenship, and and I'm gonna tread lightly here, because I know I know where you work, and I know some of your beliefs. But I think the idea of citizenship in America is such a fucking bullshit idea, yeah. and like it drives me crazy that this drives so much of like the moral ideology about like who belongs here and who doesn't. Um, cause you just fucking make that shit up and then you're going to fucking take it away from people. Like, fuck you. Um, you can take my citizenship out of my fucking cold, dead, burning flag fingers. <laughs> easy, Charles, um, and easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like, I also loved the idea of like the media really just being controlled. Like, I love that the police were actually filming it. Cause I was like, yeah, that's what's going to happen here pretty soon. Right? Like we have body cams. We just got to make that all we get from now on. And then you'll be perfect. Mm -hmm. Well, especially with and like, uh, especially video, like live video, like Facebook live, for, mm -hmm. you know, the government can take their hand on that and just, you know, tell you what they want. They want you to see. I know this movie fed well into my big brother, 1984 paranoia of the moment. Mm -hmm. You know, like I thought it really, did a great job of that and considering it was made so long like so like what 12 years before any of this is going to go down 
It's fucking brilliant. Well, definitely. He was right. Like, Carpenter, you win. <laughs> he's fine. He's fine. Oh. Um, another thing um, about Escape from L.A. is, I'm rubbing my hands right now, is, again, the score. The score is so Western. It's Western. It's it's like a Western synth. But then in the motorcycle chase scene, it does this, like, weird, like, mid-'90s hip-hop, like, you know, drums and bass, and that's all you get. It's kind of, like, hokey. It seems like, you know, a scene that best fits, you know, the junior hockey league uh, rivals playing against each other up on the street. You know, then it does like a gun bout. But that's just me. But what I love about it is that one of my favorite composers is, um, again, Shirley Walker. Shirley Walker helped out Carpenter with the score. And we all know Shirley Walker from Batman the Animated Series, Batman Beyond the Series, and some uh, excerpts from Justice League, the cartoon series. And this was um, pretty much after the first four years of Batman, the animated series. And she did this. And I thought that was just great uh, to hear her score. It added more uh, ambiance, made it, made it feel like more, you know, like royal, like more like, you know, like he's become the hero kind of thingy, you know, like, you know, we, we like known him as like the anti-hero, but now the music is you know spiked up to 11. He is now this big deal. You know, it, it, it's just really great. And here's another bit fact I'm going to throw over at uh, you girls. Here we go. Check this out. Adrian Barbeau voiced Catwoman in Batman the Animated Series. Boom, bang. You're welcome. 25 cents. <laughs> um, see, now, unlike Marissa, um, I really like this one. I don't know that I can say that I like this one more than New York, but I, I like this one. I had actually seen this one first. This is another one of those movies that, like, it – played on HBO all the time. And every time it came on, I watched it. And I remember after I had seen New York, like it made me happy that they made it, you know, the plot is obviously similar. You know, he's, you know, Pliskin's going to go someplace undesirable against his will and he's got to escape. But I feel like they made this just different enough that it held my interest. And even though that there were some characters that you thought would be like very similar they ended up being different because you've got you know when um steve buscemi's character uh map to the stars eddie yeah you're like oh okay like this is going to be like another cabbie but it turns out that you know he's not he's kind of like the double agent where he keeps flip-flopping back and forth to basically you know whatever would suit his needs best is who has his allegiance and then we meet um oh what's her name uh, the president's daughter? No, no. Um, Taslima. Yes, you meet Taslima, and here we got another like badass lady in her leather jacket. And you're like, this is going to be the other Maggie. Like, this is going to be this movie's Maggie. And then it takes about 15 minutes, and she ends up, you know, she ends up dead. So it, it was, it was similar but different enough to keep my interest the whole way through. Um, here's my little fun fact that I'm going to throw out. Oh. In the beginning of the movie, Kurt Russell's costume, it's the same costume from Escape from New York. Um, like, and not like same as in it was designed the same. It's literally the same costume. And he, like, he worked out to fit in that costume. That's yet. like 15 years later. That's a fucking amazing. Yeah. Holy <laughs> yeah. shit. Yeah, in real life. That's what. That's, <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Although his snake tattoo did change from one movie to the other. Nah. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure in New York it was like a very filled in 
dark like snake on his stomach. And in LA, it was more of an outline of a That's snake. That's because you were just staring at his his body the whole time. That's yes. the reason why you do that. Yes. Especially when he's in there. You know the scene when that little riff is happening and he changes it into the all leather suit. Oh, come on. Oh, yeah. I was in there. Uh, yeah. I slow-moed it for that one. <laughs> I lit some candles, poured myself a glass of wine. It got a little weird. It got weird, but you know what? I'm not ashamed of that one. So, okay, so I'm going to tell you my, my other gripe with this movie, and I'm going to do it not only because it's relevant, but just to piss Zach off. Um, <laughs> so AJ Liger, I mean, obviously I'm going to love her forever because of my so-called life, but her character Utopia sucks so fucking big and bad. It's not even funny. Because, first of all, you name your daughter Utopia, Mr. President, and you're lucky she's not fucking stripping. That's number one. (laughs) Important life lesson, people. Number two. This fucking bitch literally steals the new code, the fucking recipe, right, for nuclear war or whatever the fuck. Because these, the fucking plot lines of these are so ridiculous. If you were to just be like, all right, I'm going to pitch a movie where the president's daughter is going to steal the recipe for nuclear disaster. Like, it's so fucking ludicrous. But anyway. Um, so she fucking runs off with Shea Guevara, right? And <laughs> Cuervo Guerrero. His name is Cuervo. Like, Cuervo and Tequila. Are you serious, man? Yeah, he Cabo Wabo and she. <laughs> and she is Tanqueray. Yeah, continue. <laughs> that would be awesome. If I ever write a movie, that's going to be my go. characters. Um, And if, so they literally, like, she does this because she falls for a guy. So this whole fucking thing is this woman, like, really? Like, so you have to give me the one character that's kind of sort of cool who gets fucking killed and, you know, is, is like victimized. And then you give me this fucking little shit who's like a privileged white girl who literally fucks everything up. And then she only did it. Like, she didn't even have actual morals. She just, at the beginning, like, she kind of sort of does at the end, but when she, like, goes against Shea Guevara, but then, like, I fucking hated her character so much. It made me want to fucking scream. You just explained like, every female in Southern California who wants to be an activist to a T. And that's why that Utopia character is funny. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You're not wrong. <laughs> oh, no, but that's so true. Oh my God, you're right. She's so basic. <laughs> Man, you basic. It's like, I want to daddy. Mm, what's going to get under his skin? Oh, okay. A Latino man in charge. I'm going to do it. You, you know what? Touche. Nothing would piss off one of those guys more, though. Right? Am I right? <laughs> oh, that's fucking really funny. You're right. That makes it all better. Uh, but 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 like uh, you, you said, the cast is is like phenomenal, especially like, again, like the first movie had a lot of great uh, 80s cult uh, um, actors in it and actress. Let's see, not plural, just actress in it. Uh, but this one, you got <laughs> Kurt Russell, Buscemi, just killing it. Uh, Peter Fonda as pretty much uh, every surfer in San Diego, uh, which is pretty much <laughs> great. That old guy who just still is out up on the beach and has those like sun blisters. Um, yeah, it, what's your he face? was Valeria Galino, um, who was pretty much famous for every boy who watched Hot Shots one and two, and you had a crush on her. Uh, she oh her. shit! You're right. Yeah. That's where I had a crush on her from too. I love hot shots. Exactly. and that's gonna bring it back around. When I'm gonna blow your mind later. Uh, Pam Greer. Let's talk about the transgendered side hero that we got here. That wasn't, you know, that was perfect. I loved every like nuance about it where it's like he grabs her by the thigh. And it's like because you hear the deep voice, like, "Oh, 
she's not really a she is she and then he grabs a gun and it's like a little nod and a wink it's it's yeah it's embarrassing it is it's and, and like it's funny because i actually was mad we were talking when it happened i was like dude pam Grier's voice isn't that deep in real life right and like i like for because like, i love her she lost Palmas. don't get me wrong like she is fucking awesome she's an awesome character and i love how progressive it felt for the time oh, yeah. but yeah, I was a little confused for a minute. I had to get it, like I had to like reach out and phone a friend to make sure I wasn't like <laughs> being unfair to Pam Grier's acting capacities. <laughs> She's perfect for that role, I think. I don't know, especially like like, like no other. But let let's get to the shark of the. I mean, the elephant in the room. Excuse me uh, <laughs> about that uh, about that acid rain, like freaking like canal water surf scene. Oh my god, I that can't. Really die another day's freaking surf scene out of the water. Pun intended, James Bond. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really hated it. I feel like that's when the movie lost me. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I, I I just love getting your go. That is so fun. Like Peter Fod is there with his bow and they're just like getting ready. Of course, you know, Snake hurts his leg for like the third time in the movie. And like <laughs> you can actually get up on the board which i surfed once that shit's hard and with a bullet in me good fucking luck which makes him a badass of course yeah. oh well totally and yeah it's funny because i can't i still i've tried numerous times still can't fucking catch a wave and like and of course side so note i've i've never i will never i know that i will never stand up on the board my fucking husband fucking right away picks it up i'm like god damn it <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yet must be the male thing. You you can't surf, Marissa. You You need that third leg for balance. (laughs) No, gravity holds it like more so than our feet. Actually, that makes a lot of sense. Now we are a tripod when it comes to the (laughs) surfing. There we go. I just solved all that mystery. This is the most anti-Jersey goals Jersey goals. (laughs) That's why I'm here. I wanted to bring it to it. I love it. There you go. He's crumbling our empire. Oh, one, one curve one awesome hang glider. One hang glider at oh, time. Well, before the hang glider scene, and well, way before a little, little bit of that, um, like you mentioned, in Escape from New York, we got our uh, Tom Atkins, uh, you know, like greatness of where, like, oh, there he is, there he is. And then in Escape from LA, we get, you know, the chin himself, the beautiful man, Bruce Campbell, mm-hmm. with his cameo appearance as the uh, plastic surgeon. <laughs> Yeah, I love that his his title is the Surgeon General. General. He is the Surgeon General, <laughs> which is a great uh, you know. If I want to get a little studious here, it's it's a great uh, uh, um, narrative about LA at that time, where you know, um, oh, plastic so is true. the yeah. answer, and uh, the, it solves all of your aging problems. So why not? And it, yeah, and that that's still to this day, if you it ask me, about the West Coast. Oh God, yeah. yeah. Everyone's going in for I mean, their Botox, I, like they're going to get their teeth checked in. It's hysterical. Yeah, yeah, and I definitely have to admit, like, I think as a, as someone who like considers myself a New Yorker, I I always because like we have family out in LA, and like it, you know we've we've toyed with the idea of going there ourselves because of the industry. I've always had like this hubris, like I'm like, well, I'm an East Coaster, like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the few times we've got out there, I'm always like, uh, I'm not from here. <laughs> living there, even because I lived in LA for a year, and dear God, I've never had more stab wounds in the back than freaking anybody else like that place is a snake hole it, but it really is who you know and who you don't know and when you don't know anyone then you are a fool taking film school down you know sunset across the street from amoeba music 
and you just wasted you mm-hmm. know 25 grand but hey that's a story for another day whatever that's cool yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh i feel your pain on that one because believe me we had our we had our moments uh ourselves and i'm so glad to still be on the east coast i can't even tell you oh i love it so far Good. I'm glad. Yeah, I was thinking about you guys during the holidays. I was like, well, I hope they're adjusting to East Coast life over here. East Coast here. is weird, uh, but so far, you know, I, I mean, I like the cold, but uh, the West Coast, man, you got to yeah, watch out for that acid rain and, you know, flooding and fire, which yeah. which is really funny to me that Escape from L.A., I mean, didn't emphasize the fires. I feel like that would have been a like a great uh, addition if they were to redo it. Not redo it. I hate ugh, remix. Speaking of which, spoiler alert for the upcoming episodes. <laughs> see, now we're going to see, we're jumping too far ahead. We're still on LA, LA. Okay, now this is where I'm going to get to get you guys. So 1996, let's bring it back to 1996 real, real quick. This was the era of yeah. like parodies. During that time, you had like, like we said, Hot Shots. We had the Naked Gun. Scream came out, you know. Now we're meta. Now we are parodying everything. I think... Escape from LA, it's such an amazing, amazing underrated piece because it is in itself an action parody without the wink and a nod. And I got that from a um, a good source right there. It's pretty much like a like a machete or a shoot 'em up movie. This movie is a parody of action heroes and action like movies in itself and how over the top they are. I mean, from like the Mexican standoff with the can. And he you know, shoots them all. He's like, that, I have a note that's like, I don't care whatever game I play next with people. Like it can be like Settlers of Catan. It can be Magic the Gathering. I just want to sit down and stare at everybody and go, Bangkok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just- it's perfect. It's- oh my God. There's so many, uh, like, again, machismo underrated was New York. It showed you that grit. LA is like the utmost, like I, I guess, masculinity on steroids that is so over the top and mag and magnified as a joke. Because again, this is a parody, and that's how I view it. When when you view it as a parody, more than you know, kind of like the difference between Evil Dead one and two. Two is a lot funnier and a little bit more crazier than one, where one is very serious and dark. Uh, Escape from LA has that, you know. Like, ha- like has those motives for every action movie where, you know, someone's going to turn on someone, but he keeps turning and he keeps turning and he keeps turning on like everybody can never trust the, the guy. And then the hang gliding and the surfing is whatever stunt, stupid stunt you can think of. We're going to do it because it's so over the top. And that's what's great about that movie. It's so laughable. It's masculinity laughable. And that's what I love, love about it. It's cheats. Two ideas I'm thinking. The first one is, God damn, you're right. If I would have went into it with that frame of mind, I think I would have fucking loved every... Because I do... I enjoyed myself through that whole thing. But I think it's because I was... I think I was still expecting Escape from New York Part 2. Um, so you're right. I love the idea of it being a parody. I think it makes all of that so much more, like, palatable. Um, the other thing is, what I'm hearing here is masculinity equals ridiculous. That's your thesis, Oh, right? God, yeah. Like, like overtly... <laughs> so Antihero, I think, is masculinity without being called masculinity then i think of like the cheesy you know i'm gonna kong beat my chest out you know every schwarzenegger movie and this you know that's machismo like you know so stereotypical you know it's like 
it you know it's like the um um it's like the character from um from uh, not another teen movie like the token black guy hey i'm just here to say that's whack or hell nah you know like <laughs> this is that where it's like i'm just the action hero that shoots a machete or like gun bullet like like fucking uh bazooka jump off a roof with a hang gliding thingy fucking goes in a submarine <laughs> through the fucking like underwater and passes by the universal studios hollywood fucking sign like it's so over the top cheese because it's making fun of what what the movies at that time because this was again the 80s schwarzenegger action era was coming to a close like literally with last action hero which i find again is literally the end of 80s action hero of films and then this came out in 96 mm. it's just parodying those things just like how, I mean, it's a bit late for the parody, just like Spaceballs came out in 87, par like parodying Star Wars that ended like five years beforehand. Escape from LA is making fun of the action movies that came before it that kind of took off after Escape from New York. It's a bookend. I like it. Yeah, I like it a lot. Um, uh, go ahead, Jack. Oh, no, I was going to say, I think, um, so I don't know how many more notes you guys have. because I'm ready to talk about the ending. Um, yeah, I was going to say the ending. This is where I'm going to go to. It's, it's pretty much, I love the ending that the hero of the movie basically destroys the world. Oh, God, yeah. He takes it back to like, the Like, you know, he can't be more of an anti-hero than that. Like, yeah, okay, like, he saves, you know, he saves the girl kind of thing. and But really, at the end, you know, he destroys the world. And then, like, the very last scene is that, you know, breaking the fourth wall, winking and nod to the audience. I don't know. I I don't. I think Marissa's face is telling me she didn't like the ending. No, I loved it. Oh, you did? Okay. Oh, I loved. No, my face was actually. I thought it was really cute because when Zach. All right, so I'm going to be a dork. When Zach said, "Oh God, yeah," Katie says that all the time, but I think it's adorable that they both said, like the, the exact <laughs> same tone too. It's really cute. Like hashtag like you're adorbs. Um, <laughs> that's why I was laughing. Oh, okay. at it. Yeah, I was laughing. At it. But yeah, no, I totally agree. I actually love the ending. I think it's so nihilistic and wonderful. And I think that he was so right about like, fuck it, blow. Like I'm at the point where if I had that option, I might take it. <laughs> yeah, let's start over. Mm -hmm. Let's start from scratch and try to rebuild anew. Oh, I, oh, I agree. And, and because that world where you just pretty much technology is gone. Like think about even today, you know, t like social media, gone. Internet, gone. Television, gone. The only people who survive in this world now is people like Snake Plissken. That's why he did it because he has the like like the like the selfishness in a way, the individualism in a way that can uh, support himself throughout this you know dark ages of the world. And now that he struck down power, who really is in charge now? Is it you know? Um, the like the hearsay government who has rule over you it's like man you guys adopted a new like technology to rule over people now we're back in the old west but now the old west is from east coast to west coast now i think it's great yeah yeah it's terrifying but an interesting idea and i agree i think it's the, the people like him that would do the best i i don't i don't know i'm at a point where i have no i've kind of lost a lot of my faith in the notion of humanity and this film does a really good job of calling to that and i also think like i swear it's like john carpenter had a freaking magic eight ball because i it's so true like we're at that point now where sometimes i have this anxiety about what kind of world is going to be around for my kids and what kind of like future do we really have as a human race and i like that the ending kind of took it like i agree with you on the parody thing but i think 
if, if that's true, it does a good job of parody, parodying while also having some really good thematic layers to it, which is, you know, usually what I'm in it for. Especially where technology has grown since that movie came out. Yeah, I mean, think, not that that technology, you know, could really do that, but at the same time, I mean, how dependent upon technology are we at this point? Like, I think it's so who, hard. Yeah. yeah, like who, I mean, I'll, I'll say that like, it is very rare that I carry cash. It is very rare that I now have to interact with a human because I do my banking online, my shopping online, Christmas shopping. Christmas shopping was completely done from my couch through Amazon. Yeah. You know, it's like we don't have to interact with humans anymore. We we just need technology. And that's it's easy, but then again, it's sad. And then this is where I come in, I guess, with my with my I guess male overtone is that. You, when you lose um, social interaction, then you lose that faith in humanity where you're, when like you're viewing the world in front of your screen and all you're seeing is whatever news you're looking at, whatever social media you're looking at, you're either looking at how the world is fucked, how somebody else is having a better time up on Instagram and Facebook, how music is fucking retarded now, but then you look away from that screen and you look outside and you look at freaking nature, you know, just like the blue sky, the trees, the birds, you go out and you talk to a human being and then you realize, holy shit, me talking to another human being and being out in the social world, that's so much better than looking at this chaos that's happening on my screen. It almost makes whatever's happening up on the screen fictional and over the top where, man, you, you look outside and that's where humanity is restored is in the eye of the beholder. And sometimes you just got to get, get out there and you'll, your faith will be restored. Yeah. That's one thing I can definitely get behind. I agree with you a hundred percent. Um, that's actually kind of nice and poetic. There you go. Yeah. I like it. We're not all assholes. Um, I don't have anything else. Yeah, that's, have anything else? that's all. I think that's a, a pretty good place to uh, to wrap uh, to wrap up the episode. Yeah, I'm good with that. Zach, do you have anything you want us to like promote? <laughs> well, that's the thing. Um, I have this. Uh, like again, you guys were talking about the whole um, idea. Um, my project that I'm working on is called Musivisual. Um, Musivisual is is a term. It's pretty much um, where sound and music uh, is an important tool for cinema. It provides a narrative to the shape, the feel, the tone of any scene via the uses of characterization, ambiance, emotions, and basically, it's a term um, that was created to actually d uh, describe the like the feeling you get when you hear a sound or you hear a song, and it takes you. Uh, uh, into like your memory or even fits into a movie, you know, like think of uh, the most recent one that does it well is guardians of the galaxy. It, it kills it with that whole notion of it. And basically what I like to do is um, I'm not sure if this is going to be a podcast or a video cast, you know, whichever works, but it's going to be a project where I look at films, uh, the music choices, the behind the scenes of the composers and the soundtrack artists and why certain songs were picked and, how some sounds were created and how it, you know, pretty much shapes uh, a film. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Yeah. I'm very excited for that. Thank you. Thank you, Zach, for joining us. Thanks for this idea. We, this dive into escape from New York and LA has been, has been super fun. Um, we are very much looking forward to hanging out in person. Uh, in just a few weeks. Yeah. Um, 
So don't forget to check us out on social media. Just search Jersey Ghouls and you will find us there. You can find us on your favorite podcast app. Again, just search Jersey Ghouls to find us. For the blog, the podcast, movie reviews, and all-around good times, please check out our website, jerseyghouls.com. And for fuck's sake, call me Python. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Sleep all day. Party all night. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Nothing like nocturnal waves, 24 hour shades, party power. Wake up at 5 p.m., that's a right about when magic hour. Oh yeah, when all you geeks break loose from the workaday news, I'll be rolling. I'll breakfast of Chinese chow and my whiskey sour, I'll be grooving. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.